What a joy. What a great program. Can we just give them a round of applause and praise the Lord? Very exciting. Oh, just everything that Christmas is about. They sang to us and with us this morning, and uh, we're, we're just so excited about that. Thank you all for the hard work you put into that. It was wonderful. And you know, we, we spend most of December thinking about Christmas, preaching about Christmas. And, and you know, Christmas really doesn't come until about two-thirds through your Bible. Right up until then, the Old Testament, there's not much about Christmas, or at least we think that anyway. And so when Jesus came as the promise of hope, Christmas itself, we see that, but that's not until a long time in history has passed. And so this morning, I wanna just take a few minutes to talk about Christmas in the Bible from the very beginning. The very beginning, we see Christmas. It all started in the beginning when Adam and Eve lived in a beautiful harmony with God and with one another. Relationship between them, between them and God was, was just so beautiful. But Satan in the form of the serpent came and tempted them and deceived them and, and showed them that it would be better if they abandoned God and went their own way. Well, they fell for it. They fell for it, and because of that, a curse has come upon the world. And that curse is that death would now be reigning in our earth. And we would see death and, and decay and disease. But all was not lost. Because God promised at that point that there would be a seed. There would be a seed of a woman. And that woman, that's the seed of the woman, would become the hope to reverse the curse that death would not have to reign if this seed were ruling, that life would come again. This seed would defeat Satan, who tempted and, and distracted Adam and Eve from the truth. But from this point on, Satan would be at work, and there would be this, this tension between, between God and Satan, from this point on, Satan would try to destroy the seed of the woman because he knows that if the seed of the woman were to succeed, then he would be through. And so he, for the rest of history, tried to destroy that seed, and that's what we are following this morning. Satan's first move was to, to, uh, to destroy Abel, Adam and Eve's righteous son, to have him destroyed by his older brother Cain, who, who had abandoned God like his parents. When Cain died, when Abel died, it looked like the hope of the seed was lost. But yet, just one chapter later, in chapter four, Adam said, God has given us yet another seed in place of Abel, and that was Seth. New hope, new hope that the seed would actually come, this saving seed. Two chapters after that, we have the story of, of the earth becoming a, an even greater mess than it was before. Things were so bad, and depending on how you interpret chapter six of Genesis, it seems like, like Satan had tried to dilute the human line of the seed by having, by having demons impregnate uh, women. This would minimize the possibility of the line of the seed. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. God determined 
that there was so much evil and the evil was so great that he had to destroy mankind and animal kind. But yet he would preserve the seed through a man named Noah who was righteous. Noah built an ark and saved, the Bible says he saved not only the seed of man but the seed of animals as well. Well, not long after that, a man named Abraham came on the seed, and he was the seen, and he was the next one to receive the promise of the seed. God said to him, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This promise got repeated and expanded throughout Abraham's life, that his offspring would be a blessing and would bless. That they would be blessed and they would be a blessing to the whole world. The whole world could know God through the seed of Abraham. And man's response to the seed would determine whether he was blessed or cursed. The problem with this promise was that it came when Abraham was 75 and his wife Sarah was 65. Well, before the promise ever came, 25 years later, there was a famine in Canaan. And so Abraham took his wife Sarah down to to, uh, Egypt. When they were there, he became afraid that Sarah was so beautiful that somebody would try to kill him and take Sarah. And so he said, Sarah, let's pretend that I'm your brother, you're my sister. So they posed as siblings. And sure enough, Pharaoh saw Sarah and said, she's so beautiful, I want her as my wife. And she gave, she gave uh, I'm sorry, he gave uh, Abraham a, an offer he couldn't refuse. So Pharaoh took Sarah to be his wife. We have to understand that this is a threat to the promise of the seed. Abraham actively went against God's promise that the seed would come through him and Sarah. But God stepped in and revealed to Pharaoh that Sarah was indeed Abraham's wife. Well, time keeps passing by and still no seed. Sarah gets discouraged and so she, she, without consulting the Lord, says to Abraham, look, the seed's not gonna come through me. Take my maid and have relations with her. And so Abraham, in his weakness, had physical union with Hagar. And she gave birth to a son. But this son was not the promised seed. This son was Ishmael and in fact became the father of of the Arab people who still to this day cause trouble for the line of the seed that was to come. Finally, after 25 years and no thanks to Abraham or Sarah, God allowed Sarah to conceive. And she she gave birth to Abraham's second son, Isaac, the seed, the line would come through Isaac. Isaac grew and God confirmed his promise to him. And Isaac's wife, Rebekah, would become pregnant, would have twins. And God instructed them that it was the second born of these twins through whom the seed would come. In spite of God's promise, Isaac sought to thwart what God would have. And Isaac decided he was going to give the blessing to the first son. Well, through some pretty shifty conniving and deception, uh, Jacob was able to attain the birthright, and Isaac finally surrendered and relinquished and gave the blessing to Jacob, as God had said. 
And he said, may God also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your, and your, your descendants with you, that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. Well, Jacob grew, and it came time for him to marry, and he traveled to his mother's homeland so that he would find a wife. But on his way there, he heard from God another confirming message that the seed would come through him. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you, to your descendants. Your descendants shall be like the dust of the earth, and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you excuse me, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. Remember that this, this promise of the descendants is that the seed of the Messiah would come through him. Well, he arrived in his mother's hometown and his plan was to marry Rachel, but God didn't want the seed to come through Rachel. Jacob worked seven years to get Rachel's hand in marriage, but through more deception, he was given Leah, Rachel's sister instead. And it was Leah's second son, Judah, who would become the carrier of the seed of the promise. And between Leah and Rachel and their maids, there were 12 brothers. And these 12 brothers became the 12 tribes of Israel. But it was through the line of Judah that this seed would come. Well, Judah is not a likely character, and I'm not going to get into all of his wickedness, but you wouldn't believe that the seed could come through a man like Judah. It's only really through God's intervention that the seed remained and that Satan didn't accomplish his purposes in destroying the seed. Few generations after, I'm sorry, no, actually, those brothers then also experienced a a famine in Canaan, and they went down to Egypt. And the the Jews became established in Egypt and became assimilated into that culture. And they grew in number, and they grew in number so quickly that in a few generations, they became enslaved. The Egyptians thought, we need to enslave this people to keep them down, to keep them oppressed. But their numbers continued to increase. So Pharaoh decided, I'm going to kill all of the male Jews born. Well, this would surely, surely destroy the seed. If all of the male Jews would be killed, the seed could not go on. But God stepped in yet again, and they continued to increase in number, and Pharaoh's rage increased against the Jews. So the entire Jewish population sought to escape Egypt. So the only way they could go was was to head east, and the Red Sea was in their way. And here they come upon the Red Sea with nowhere else to go, and Egypt's army is coming to destroy them. Surely the angels are looking down and saying, oh no, what about the seed now? Egypt's going to destroy all of the Jews, and the promised Messiah will never come. But God stepped in again, and he parted the sea before them. And the Jews walked through the sea, And the seed was saved once again. We jump generations ahead now to the second king, King David. And God is still protecting the seed. The promise came to David. It said, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your seed to succeed. 
who will come from, and he will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish his throne and his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. So this is the first time that we come to understand that the seed will not just be the seed of a woman but will be God's son and that he will reign forever. And we wonder, as you read through the account of David, and we did that not too long ago, we wonder, how on earth did he survive against a giant and against battle after battle after battle from the Arab nations around him? How did he ever survive? Because God was protecting the seed. Well, David's kingly line had many descendants, and years have passed. And as the kings and the people of Israel became more and more corrupt, God would raise up other nations to come in and to discipline them. And so Assyria became the world power. Assyria came in and destroyed the 10 northern nations, the 10 northern tribes of Israel. And they tried to destroy Judah, the line of Judah. Judah was in the south, but they couldn't do it. They, they had besieged Jerusalem. God stepped in again and protected Jerusalem and protected Judah through which the seed would come. 150 years later, David's kingly line would become even more corrupt and God would raise up Babylon, present day Iraq, to come in as the world power. Babylon came in and they deported most of the Jews out of the land. And the idea was let's take them back to our land and assimilate them so that their identity is completely gone. The seed would disappear if we could assimilate them. We read in Daniel that King Nebuchadnezzar had a rigorous reprogramming of the Jews. But God stepped in again and kept a remnant Surely if the Babylonians had, had succeeded, there would be no more promise, no more seed. But God kept his remnant. Well, the Babylon kingdom was taken over by the Persians, present day Iran, and there were a, was a new line of kings that came into power, and they had to deal with this Jewish problem. This was Satan's big chance he inspired a man named Haman to, to go to King Xerxes and say, it's time, we must annihilate the Jews. The book of Esther says that, the, that he wanted to destroy all of God's people throughout the kingdom. Esther herself said, for I and my people have been sold for destruction and slaughter and annihilation. The seed would surely disappear now. But God used a dream and used Esther and used her cousin Mordecai to save the Jewish people, the line of the seed, from the hand of Haman and the hand of Satan. Not long after this, the Lord would raise up another new king who had compassion on the Jewish people and allowed them to go back to the land that was promised to them by God, the land from where the seed would actually come. And so the first wave of Jews was led back to the land by a man that we don't hear much of. His name was Zerubbabel. He was an important figure, though, because he was in the line of David and became an ancestor of the Messiah. So surely the seed was coming through Zerubbabel. But so many of the Jews had become assimilated into the Babylonian culture that he went back with only a few. 
More would follow a little later with Ezra and Nehemiah. And when they got there, back to Jerusalem, they rebuilt the city and they rebuilt the temple. From that point on, there were 400 years of silence. We call it 400 years of silence because there were about 400 years that God made no active communication with his people about the seed. Would it happen? Would it actually come? Would the seed show up? During this time, Satan and the enemies of Israel, the Arab nations in particular, would, would rise up against them and there were many attempts to destroy them and to cut off the possibility of the promised seed. God's people were in their land, but now Greece was the ruling power. And then after Greece, Rome became the ruling power. So even though God's people were in their land, it was not their land. They were ruled by others. There's been no king in the line of David for 586 years. No promise. When? When would the seed come? Would the seed actually come at all? There's been no kingly line. Silence. Then, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at this word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will and the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The line of King David has been restored. The seed of the woman will, will crush the head of Satan finally. The promised seed, the promised Messiah, so long waited for, broke into the human history. But Satan made yet another attempt when he inspired Herod to destroy all of the children born in Bethlehem under two years old. And if he could destroy all of the male children born, the seed would be defeated. In spite of Satan's many attempts and in spite of man's stupidity and disobedience and sinful decisions, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came, the seed, came to rescue people. The true light that gives light to every man has come into the world. The Spirit of the Lord is on him and anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government 
and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. God has installed his king on Zion, his holy hill. He says to his son, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possessions. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son and stands in the curse that was established back in the time of Adam and Eve. Jesus was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Through this brief look at the history of the seed, we can see that God did all he could to preserve the seed. And the reason? To rescue us from the curse that came. And Satan did all he could to squash out, to stamp out, to annihilate the possibility of a promise, to destroy all hope. But God prevailed. But God prevailed. Satan had no chance. God preserved the line of the seed so that he would bring his own savior into the world to save all those who call upon him. And so the, what stands before us now is what's our response? The promise came to Abraham and said, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Our response to the seed determines whether we will be cursed or blessed. What is your response to the seed this morning? We heard in the, the songs that were sung to receive what love has done. This love has done this. Love has made a way to reverse the curse. Love has found us we were told this morning. And he is the hope that our heart needs. So this morning, will you receive God's seed, the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came to rescue you from the curse that was on us, from the curse from which there was no escape but God? And we saw but God throughout history and it continues to be but God through our lives as we live as believers, but God. And he is coming back to rescue us. This world looks dark, but God will come back. Amen, would you pray with me? Lord, how can we ever thank you? Lord, and that is our response. Our response is only to say thank you. Thank you for bringing the promise of hope to us, Lord. Our situation was beyond desperate. Oh, Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, the Savior. And I pray for anyone here who does not know him, 
that that person would receive him and gain the right to be called the children of God, to step out of being cursed, being condemned, into blessed and receiving eternal life. Oh Lord, thank you for your gift. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I am available. If you want to receive Jesus as your savior this morning, come and talk to me. I will be out in the foyer. Come and talk to me. We'll set up a time to talk. It would be a joy. You understand that you stand in condemnation until you put your trust in the seed, the one hope that God offers to every one of us this morning. Let's stand together now. Oh God, you are good and we thank you and we go now in your blessing, blessed by the seed, by Jesus, the promised Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen.